My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and we're going to talk about something um, that's going to be a little bit awkward. But I like awkward, so that's great. Uh, Don't be scared. Uh, We are going to be in John chapter 3, 1 through 15. Uh, And it's not as awkward. I just like to build some anticipation. You're like, oh, it's not as awkward as I thought it was going to be. Um, But we're going to talk about this idea This conversation that Jesus had with this guy named Nicodemus, which we'll talk about him in a minute. But he had a conversation about what it actually means to be born again, which it does get awkward in the middle, and I'll I'll lift up that awkwardness for you. So here's the idea. We live in a region, in an area that this word, born again, is a blanket covering over a generic group of people that tend to meet on Sunday mornings. And that term is given to people that probably it shouldn't at certain times, just because it's blanketly thrown out there. If you grew up loosely around a Christian church, then you have probably heard the term born again. You've probably even potentially used the word born again. But just like Nicodemus who is a guy who should understands, understand the things of God, because he was a teacher of the things of God, uh, he missed something. So uh, as I was reading this week uh, through the one-year Bible that's just jumped out to me, and there was actually one, one line of conversation which we'll talk about that just, just hit me. Um, and, and we're going to make sure that this tension that we feel when we loosely hear that with a problem with the, when it's been blanketly thrown over people, you have people that claim and, and put themselves under this covering but don't live any different than anyone else. I mean, predominantly what makes most Christians look bad is other people that say, I'm a Christian, that do horrible things. And there's a lot of them. I mean, we live in an area that is predominantly Christian. Uh, but just drive on the road a little bit and you'll realize that <laughs> we struggle. <laughs> I heard one pastor, I mean, he's an older guy, Chuck Swindoll. I don't know if y'all remember him, hearing him on the radio, but he, he said that he would not put a Christian fish on the back of his car for that reason. That, you know, the, the one day that he accidentally pulls in front of somebody or does something wrong, that, that someone would see that kind of blanket name or covering and, and make that like he's a bad driver. Christianity is a horrible thing. They just are all hypocrites and all this other stuff. So we want to make sure that at least today in this room that we understand what this means. Uh, and if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about, uh, I grew up in and around church my entire life, going um, to either First Baptist or a Presbyterian, depending on which parent I was at on any given weekend, and, and always at church and Sunday school and youth group and all of these things, and not until I was 18 years old did, did I get born again. But if you ask me at 18 in a couple of days, because you know, I got saved in July, um, I turned 18 in April. If you'd asked me any time before July, I would have told you I was born again. I would have told you that I was a, a Christian. I would have told you I was a disciple, even though my life didn't, didn't reflect that. I would told, I have told you all of these things. And the tension that we want to deal with this morning is what does this look like, not only as a topic, but what does it look like for me? 
Because this is a conversation that we have to have. I mean, I have to assume, I mean, you could have been drugged here by someone, but I have to assume that the majority of you in here at least have interest in the things of God, interest in who Jesus is and, and what that means for us as a people as we look after and want to make our life reflect his. So before we get into the word, let's pray. Lord, where I am ill-equipped, you aren't. And Lord, we lift up your word right now, this conversation that you had with Nicodemus that wasn't recorded just to record, but it was there for us. It was there for us to understand what this means. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to have new birth? What does it mean to be a new creation? And Lord, I pray that this morning, in spite of my inability to do what needs to be done, Lord, we trust in you. Lord, we ask, I ask that your spirit would do what I cannot do, what I am unable to do, that you would open the eyes of our minds, that you would open our hearts to see and experience you, that our lives would be radically different because of you and the movement of your spirit in our life. So Lord, we ask all these things in the only name that matters, Jesus. Amen. Uh, John puts it this way in, in John First John 5.13, it says, I write these things, the Bible that we have before us, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The things that we're going to look at today were written for us so that we could understand who God is, how we can relate to God, and how we connect to this person who we don't tangibly get to experience in the physical. And so what we're going to talk about this morning isn't new religious stuff. So a lot of people, when they experience Jesus in what we come in contact with, their their interaction, they're looking for the next like layer of rules, the next layer of things to improve their religion. And Jesus came not to give them more things to do, he gave them, he came so that they could have life, new life. And one thing that we will realize today is that you weren't in control of your first birth. Think about that for a second. You won't be in control of your second. I mean, just when we look at how he presented this topic. So let me go through a few, one uh, in John 1 and one in Ezekiel, and then we'll jump into John 3. John 1, verses 12 through 13, he's making, he's laying this groundwork. He says in verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children. He gave the right to become children. 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born from the Father. You're in this room out of your control. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't have an out-of-body experience before you're born and go and have a conversation with your parents saying, hey, I would like to be put on this earth. You were awakened. And before that moment, you didn't understand anything other than what you could experience inside the womb. And when we're released from the womb, 
our world completely changes. The same thing happens with us when the Holy Spirit gives life to us. It opens our eyes. And actually that, that line, which we'll get to in a second, he, it, Jesus actually says to Nicodemus that if you aren't born again, you cannot even see the kingdom. And the kingdom is a reference to the family of God. You cannot even experience, not much enter it, not even see it. Ezekiel uh, gave a prophetic word about a people that were captured and imprisoned, about them returning. This is, if you're reading along in the one year Bible, going through the Old Testament, you realize how stupid people have been for a long time. I think we look around right now and we're like, man, people are idiots. Um, I mean, usually it's not us. We never think that about ourselves when we do dumb things. It's always the other people. But in the Old Testament, you see this this journey of a people who get far away from God and things don't go well. They get in prison. They get beat down. They have things that are going on. And, and God, out of his love for them, allows them to pursue what they want to pursue until the moment that they go, God, we need you. And over again, I love the beauty of the Old Testament in a sense. I know it's crazy if you read this week. There's just, I don't understand some of the things. So like, don't come up to me and ask every, give you an answer to everything, every story. Like right now, my mother-in-law brought up one to me and I'm like, I don't know why he cut his wife in pieces and sent her to the tribes. I mean, I understand what he was doing, but it's just like a crazy story. If you haven't read that, don't worry. It's in the Bible. But here's a people that have constantly are moving away from God and they get so far away from God that they realize that we need help and they cry out and God rescues. And through judges, he literally sent a judge that would come. And what you see in this picture is you see a people that during the life of that judge, during the life of that leader, they typically did the right thing. But as soon as they would die, they would gravitate back to that old way. This is why I'm I'm 100% that God has created us, thank you, Kathy, for community. That we left to ourselves are just like the people of Israel, that we will migrate back to our old ways of thinking, our old actions. But when we have people around us that are using wisdom and leadership, we get to stay away from some of those things. But there's this word was written by Ezekiel, and he's talking about the people of Israel that are constantly be taken away, and, and, he, and he says this. It's actually twice, I think, in Ezekiel, the same phrasing is used. But this one's in Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 25 and going to ter- verse 27. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness, and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. And listen to this. And I will give you a new heart. And I will give you, I will, and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And and here's the thing that you need to understand and what we're going to jump into in just a second in John 3 is that without this heart transplant, without this change, without this interaction of the Holy Spirit in and through us, 
Our hardened heart will never be removed. And if we don't have that heart transplant, we cannot walk and obey God. Period. That's what religion does. Is Religion tells you if you obey the rules good enough, if you try hard enough, you will achieve. And every other religion tells you if you do these things, you will achieve nirvana. You'll get to that place. And Christianity, the truth of Christianity, is it going, you cannot, but I can. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not only do this thing that's going to release you from sin and guilt, dying on the cross and you believing that, but I'm going to put my spirit in you. Because without that spirit in you, you cannot walk and obey. Like, I I can tell you, like, I just understand. I've understood in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of others. Until God does that transformation, regardless of how much you want it, walking in obedience isn't possible momentarily we can make anything look like we're walking in in obedience momentarily but lifelong obedience to the father does not happen without his involvement and this is where we come to in john 3 john 3 is going to introduce this guy named nicodemus nicodemus is a pharisee and a pharisee um in a short is a religious leader of the day they are they are Smarter than we are. They have memorized uh, their Torah. They've, they know Scripture back and forth more than me, more than anyone in this room. They have done, and they have devoted their entire life to obeying the rules and doing everything necessary to present themselves whole and righteous before God the Father. These are the Pharisees. Not that they're perfect. I mean, they were the ones that God lashed out to over and over again. They missed the point, as we'll see with Nicodemus. But that is who Nicodemus is. So look through the lens. This conversation is happening before the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the Redeemer, and with one of his chosen Israelite who is a Pharisee that should know and be doing the things that God has called them to do and to his ability under his power. He has done everything that he felt he was required to do, but he still missed it. I I don't know if you, you may feel some pressure in here, but I want you to understand that if if Nicodemus missed it for years, this was not a young man. This is not like a seminary student that just didn't get it. This is someone that's well advanced in his life and ministry. If he missed it, then we may miss it. And the grace that God still gave him, God still gives to us. So let's jump in. Starting in verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you are that you do unless God is with him. Okay, let's 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 get this story correct. Nicodemus came by night. I know we do a lot of stuff after dark, but in this culture, you know, after dark was not when good, healthy, righteous things happened. And so Nicodemus was a 
was scared to be seen going to have a conversation with Jesus because most of the Pharisees and Sadducees and other other religious people were only going to Jesus to try to trip him up to prove that he was a false Messiah to, you know, get him to the cross. And here is this Nicodemus that's wanting to come to Jesus to have this conversation because he has seen something that he cannot he cannot rectify because there, there's something going on because he's looking at him, but he's going at night because he's afraid of what others would think. He's not boldly going, hey, I'm going to seek out truth and find out what is going on. He's going by night and he goes to Jesus. And he tells him, he said, no one else. You have to be a teacher that has come from God. Because no one else can do what you do unless they're from God. See, look at, listen to this. Seeing signs and wonders and being amazed at them and giving the miracle worker credit for them that he is from God has saved no one. See, we can be sitting in this room and go, I believe that Jesus did all these things and not trust him, not go, God, I have I want to give you my life. We can go, well, I identify historically that this man existed and these things happened. Nicodemus is saying all those things. He said, I, I see that you have done these things and I understand because he's given validity to the miracles that he's working by saying that I've seen them and no one else can do what that no one else can do that unless they're from God. So you have to be from God. Here's another statement. So Nicodemus, Jesus says, <clears throat> what happens in new birth is not merely affirming supernaturally in me, but experiencing the supernatural in herself. So just saying, hey, Jesus has done these things is not the same thing as taking this in ourselves. In verse 3, it says, Jesus answered him. And this is kind of an, an not aggressive isn't the right term. This truly, truly, it's, you know, it sounds like truly, truly, truly. Like I, I feel like it's like an educated like, I'm about to say something really important, but it's, it's kind of like, hey, you need to hear that. Anytime they would use a word twice, it is amplifying what is being said. So he's saying, truly, truly, I say to you, to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a ruler of the people, a teacher of the people. And he's saying, unless one is born again, and this is when it gets awkward. In verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He doesn't just leave it at that. He keeps going. He says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <laughs> so Nicodemus is thinking about earthly things. He's thinking about like, okay, okay, okay. I'm an old man. And I know at one point I was a child and baby was born, but how can I be born again? Because he doesn't understand. He has not seen the kingdom. He's not understanding that we have to be born into this kingdom. He is just literally thinking, how can I be born again? Could you imagine that awkward conversation to your mother? Mother's Day is coming up. Mom, I just talked to the Messiah. And he said, to see the kingdom, I have to be born again. Where are you at? I mean... 
But this is what this is the conversation that's going on. He's saying, hey, 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 like, how is this going to work? How am I going to enter into my mother's womb again? So Jesus takes it over again, because I think. This is opinion, inter opinion of Heath. I think this is Nicodemus being rude to Jesus. Like, I don't think this is like a logical, like, oh, am I supposed to climb back? And I think he's going, yeah, am I supposed to climb back in my mother's womb? Like, I don't take that as like, oh, oh, okay. It's like him thinking, let's see, I've seen my mother lately. I'm bigger than she is. I don't know how that's going to work. I think he's going, you're ridiculous, and you're so ridiculous that I'm going to respond to you in this way. And then Jesus takes it over and says, truly, truly, again, listen. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, our natural birth, which if you're in this room, you were, and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, enter into the family of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I've said to you, you must be born again. And Jesus is not just having this conversation because he knew that we were going to be reading this one day. He knew that these words would be in our minds and hearts. And so when we don't see this in our English language, but in the first statement, when he said you, it's singular. He's saying you to Nicodemus. And then when he uses you again, talking about entering into the kingdom of God, unless you, you, it's plural. So he's not just having this conversation with Nicodemus saying, hey, Nicodemus, you need to understand that you need to be born again. He he takes it from the singular to the plural, meaning it's not just Nicodemus that has to be born again. It's not just Nicodemus that has missed it. It is all of us. And kingdom of God also is when we'll get there towards the end is this picture of entering into the family of God, is this picture of eternal life. In verse 8, Jesus is continuing to try to explain this, but the problem with most of this explanation is it's not being seen correctly. So he says in verse 8, says, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Saying if we go outside right now and the wind blowing, you don't see where that wind originated from. You might get the direction like it's blowing east to west, but you won't understand where that wind originated. And he's saying the same thing. You will not understand the things of God. You're not going to understand the spirit of God. Unless you have the spirit of God. See, this is a Greek word used here, and I'm going to not even try to pronounce it. It's a Greek word. I'll just take my word for that. Um, can mean wind, breath, or spirit. See, John uses this metaphor of the wind as a power that is felt but unseen to explain the power of of the Spirit of God. It's not something that we can get the lighting right in here and then the Spirit of God will enter in or something that we can do to manipulate Him or the Spirit to move in our or for our behalf. And here's Nicodemus again, still confused. 
So confusion's all right. Questions are right. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And I, I imagine that this he's, you know, he's beyond kind of making fun at this point. He's just frustrated. Like, I don't understand how can these things be? And Jesus answered him. This one had to be painful. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. I know you don't feel this, but I feel this anytime somebody uses a word that I should know, you know, in the biblical realm that I don't know. They're like, aren't you a pastor? Like, don't you have everything memorized? Don't you know where every book of the Bible is? Don't you know and can quote the whole New Testament? No, I cannot. But here, here's Jesus going, how can you, who are the leader of my people, not understand this one thing. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. See, he's leading him to this place because at this point, and he's not identified Jesus as the Christ. He's not identified Jesus as the Messiah. He's just saying, you're from God. I don't know what that means. I don't know technically who you are, but I know you're from God. You're not from here. And, and he's going to use a term which we don't necessarily use nor understand. He uses this term son of man, but son of man is an identifier. So Jesus is clearing up his origin and what he was sent to earth to do and what he is there for. Son of man which in their language was a bell-ringing Messiah. I am the Christ, which he understands in the learning and teachings that he has. He's leading him to this place because being from God is one thing. Because there was lots of prophets that came and did the things and works of God and spoke the words of God. But being God... The Son of Man changes everything. It gives authority to what he's saying because he's saying these things. And if there's nothing, if there's nothing authoritative behind it, they're just things like, oh, OK, yes, you're saying that I need to be born again. But if you are declaring that you're the son of God and you're saying that the way for us to have life is this way, it changes everything. And here he lifts up. Probably the oddest story in the New Old Testament. I mean, there's lots of odd stories. But the people of Israel have went back into, and this is why they're in the desert with Moses, wandering around. And they decide that they're going to do their own thing, and they become obedient, disobedient to God. And, and God sent serpents, poisonous snakes. Anybody like snakes here? We found a huge snake skin in our little backyard yesterday. Mildly terrifying. <laughs> My kids would barely touch the skin. It was like, oh. um, a young one. She is kind of cute, though. She did. She's probably the bravest of all my children. 
But these serpents came out and started biting people and people were dying. And so Moses, through God, came up with this thing. He said, I'm going to erect this bronze serpent. And if you get bit by a snake, if you look at the bronze serpent, you'll be healed, which is just crazy, crazy in the moment because they didn't understand it. But cool in the moment here that he's lifting it up. He is he is bringing the connection between the Old Testament because what he's leading to is going, the Christ is going to be lifted up. What Moses did was a, an image, was a partial picture of what Christ is going to do on the cross. And not only will you look and be healed, but you'll look and be saved. And in verse 14, it says, And as Moses lifted up the servant in serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And I've left out, I mean, there's so many texts. You know, if we want to get into um, over and over again, Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Any man that remains in me and hind him will bear much fruit. Uh, these other texts where he's literally saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has made it abundantly clear that our access to the Father is going to be Jesus. There is no other way for us. There is no other born again without it being connected to Jesus. This is why our burden for this city and our burden for the people that aren't in this church is so heavy. Because there isn't just some, like, be good people and, you know, God will just forgive you. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's so much stuff out there. I mean, good, well-meaning Christians have written garbage literature that would convince you that God's so loved do you know what comes in 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave. And they would take that scripture and they would say, God so loved the world that he would not. And that, that moment, what he did on the cross, he did for everyone. And, and, and there's, there's people that would, would, would lie to you and say, God in his death on the cross has saved everyone. But why would he teach Jesus why would he have this conversation saying you need something else? You need to be born of the Spirit. If there wasn't something connected to him. And where I want for us to get this morning, where I want to go is that there, there's something that you need to understand. You can be very religious you could memorize so much of the Bible. And you can do tons of religious things. You could have led small groups. You could have done awesome things and still miss the new birth. Because Nicodemus did. So if Nicodemus did, then we cannot go, no, 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 no. No. The first 18 years of my life, I was saturated with church things. I mean, I could have told you stories, biblical stories that I learned in Sunday school. I could have told you the, you know, the 
the Romans road. I could have told you all the things, but there was no connection. There was no life. I, there was no, if, if you're not born again, if you've not had the second birth, the birth of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom. You can't enter the kingdom. So just because it seems like, and here's the danger, and this is not to put fear in people's life. This is to bring firm footing in what you believe. Because it had nothing to do with you, which we're going to finish with one scripture here in just a second. See, what Nicodemus needs and what you and I need is not more religion, but life. The point of referring to new birth is that birth brings new life into the world in one sense. Of course, Nicodemus is alive. He is breathing, thinking, feeling, acting just like us. He is human, created in God's image, but evidently Jesus thinks he's dead. Needing new life. There was no spiritual life in Nicodemus, even though in all of, I mean, none of us, if we were around him, none of us would question his spirituality. None of us would question his zeal. He would make us look like heathens. For his mani- mani- I mean, can't even say meticulous is the word I was looking for. I mean, to clean. I mean, he wouldn't eat beforehand. I mean, have you ever eaten dinner without praying or washing your hands? Fail. Like here's a guy who's done every single thing and still missed it. See, there was no spiritual life in Nicodemus. Spiritually, he was unborn. He needs life. Not more religious activity or more religious zeal. He had plenty of that. He needed a heart transplant just like we talked about in Ezekiel. But something changed. Here's the beauty of the rest of the story. Here's a conversation that Nicodemus had in darkness with Jesus. And I'm sure leaving this point because we don't know what necessarily happened. But we know something changed in him. Some new birth came to Nicodemus. He finally did get it. He defended Jesus during the trial. Not in darkness. He came in the light and defended Jesus in the trial. And he was one of the men who claimed his body. He wasn't afraid anymore. Something had changed in him. He wasn't fearful of what other people would think. He was connected to Jesus. Willing to sacrifice everything to show his allegiance to Jesus. But how about you? What does that mean? I mean, like my fear, and I felt like I had this when I was a youth pastor. My fear is that we would culturally, I would help culturally people adopt to Christian lifestyles without submitting to the lordship of Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that in my own life, that, that I would be so caught into doing the things of God that I would miss the one treasure that God has given us. That I would, and we talk about this a lot at Reach, that I would, on, in, on and in my effort, do everything possible to make sure that I look and seem to be a strong believer without trusting in Jesus, without asking, Holy Spirit, I need you today. But here's the reality. Here's the two truths that I want you to walk into today. 
There is no born again without what Jesus does in and through us. There is no. Like we can't, you can't today, if you're not born again, you can get born again. But you cannot just will it. Like, Father, give it to me. You cannot will yourself to be born again. You can ask and the gift can be given. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's not works based on us. It's a gift from the Father. And we can, if you're here in this room and saying, I, I don't, I haven't gotten it. I've, I've never really trusted, but I want life. I can feel something stirring. You can ask for it and God can give it. But you, can, you cannot demand it. You cannot take it. But here's the next thing. So you may be in this room and every single person may be in this room going, I am a born again, blood bought saint. And here's my next concern. So first is maybe possibly like me for the first 18 years didn't get it. And you need to have that moment where you transition and the Holy Spirit does something in you that you could not do in yourself. My second is that we would have had that moment. And then after that moment, we would go, thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for allowing me into the kingdom. And then we would spend the rest of our life doing the work that he's called us to connect to him to do with. Look at this. Galatians 3, 2 through 3. It says, let me ask, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So did you receive your salvation by works of the law? Meaning I've, I've done good things. I've given money to the church. And I've, I've done these things to earn my salvation. Or did you get it by hearing and faith? And in verse 3 it continues. And this is where I want us to settle. If you are a child of God. I just want to push you back into the side. That we have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. We have to live in this place of going I desperately need you every day not just for salvation but for life it says in verse 3 are you so foolish having begun by the spirit meaning the spirit it began in us are you now being perfected by the faith sorry flesh wrong word choice there are you now being perfected by the flesh and I just want to encourage you as our worship team's coming back up and as we begin to close is, are you here right now trusting and believing in your effort or his? Because the, the danger is that we could be in the kingdom but still missing the power that God wants to give us, the life. He says in John 10.10, 10, he said, I want to give you life and abundance. The abundance doesn't come from us. It's still going to come from him. And so I just want to encourage you as we go into this last song, we, again, don't put a song at the end of our service so we can keep you here three minutes longer. We put a song at the end of our service because the best time to respond, the best time to say, God, I'm like Nicodemus. I'm not trusted. I've not believed. And I've, my eyes have not been opened to your kingdom. And I want you more than anything else. Or you could be sitting in this room going, God, you've brought me so far, but right now I'm struggling with trusting you because of the circumstance, because the things are going on. And so I'm trying to work and dig my way out of something that God's just going, trust me, me. Because our life with the Spirit is just not birth. 
I mean, imagine if you have children. Imagine giving birth to a child and be like, okay, see ya. Like, literally, like, you just do all what you do. Like, and I know this is kind of gross. But you didn't do that. God the Father, if he brings new birth, new life to you, he doesn't desert you. And how gracious you are. Like, I don't expect my children. I mean, my children are getting older now. I'm expecting them to do certain things, like pick up after themselves. But when they're little, I mean, every little thing, like the first, how dumb. I mean, like, when they're older, how dumb would it be to be like, they rolled over. Like, if you've got a 15-year-old, could you imagine coming and be like, my child rolled over last night? I mean, and they're developmentally like, okay. I mean, you, you are like celebrating, but when they're little, and here's the mercy of entering in the kingdom, God's going, yes! They rolled over, yes! They picked up their head just a little bit. I mean, if you're a parent of a child, you have videoed things that no one else wants to see. <laughs> but to you, they're treasures because you're like, gosh, they're growing. And can you imagine how much mercy, like, and it, there's, a, there's a correlation here. Where the Bible says, that, you know, if we give good gifts to our children and we're evil, don't fight that. How much better gifts will God give us? And he was talking about the asking for the Holy Spirit. I mean, can you imagine the joy he has? I mean, it actually says when, when a lost person gets reborn that there's celebration in heaven. Can you imagine as we begin to walk, as we begin to try to figure this out, and he understands just as a baby that it's going to take you time to grow. Because it talks about this in the New Testament. It talks about a season where you should be eating meat, meaning they're growing. See, we want to trust in the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit brings us to new life, and he's celebrating as you begin to walk. He celebrates your first steps into whatever he celebrates your first words. I mean, can you remember the, as parents, like if it just remotely sound like dad or mom, because there's always a competition, like, which one do they say first? Um, it'd be like, that's it. I mean, and it, everybody else is like, I didn't hear anything. but God, the Father is so much more gracious for us. So if you're struggling with this growth, growing in Christ because you're thinking he's angry because you're not growing faster, change that perspective and go, child, he loves his children and he will do everything in his power to grow his children. And so this morning as we go into worship, as I pray for us, ask, have a conversation if Nicodemus can have this conversation with Jesus, so can we. So can we just go, God, I need to know who you are. And so you might not even be ready to go, I trust and believe in you. You might just go, God, I just need you to start showing me that you are who you are. Like, let me see you. Begin to open my eyes. Because if our eyes aren't open, we'll never see the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful. That not only do you, not only are you the author, but you are the perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord, in this room, if there's people that they need to begin their journey, they need to enter into that second birth, Lord, I pray that you radically transform, transform them. 
And for Lord, all of us in this room that we have been reborn, but we're, we're struggling in the journey. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your mercy to us, your children, that we can walk and we can journey with you, Lord, that we can be dependent on the Holy Spirit, that we would constantly Wake up in the morning and go, God, I'm yours. I'm your child. You love me. Lord, I pray that the word would speak to us, your children, that our eyes would be opened to see you every day in and through your word, that we would see you as we experience life by living out your word. And Lord, we thank you that you are the one that opens eyes, that you are the one that welcomes us into the kingdom. And I pray this morning that you would allow us to see, that you would literally do the heart transplantation that Ezekiel talked about, that you would begin to remove hearts of stone and that you would replace them with hearts of flesh so that we can. And so, Lord, as we worship, Lord, be honored with our praise. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.